Welcome to the Timberlake Christian School podcast. Timberlake Christian School, founded in 1966, is a ministry of Timberlake Baptist Church. Our vision is to be a discipleship and educational institution for young people in order to develop them in a passion for glorifying God and train them for a life consistent with a biblical world and life view. For more information, check out our website at timberlakechristianschool.org. Go Tornadoes! So, Laddie, the song that you can take our voices into that box and then listen to them again, but what if I want to keep my voice? Something like that, Mr. Knox, but, but you'll still be able to speak after we're done recording the podcast episode. Whoa, miraculous, if you sure. And what does that crimson light there mean? Oh, oh, that red light? Oh, that, ju- that just means we're recording right now. Oh, oh, we're live now. Uh, uh, he- hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Timberlake Christian School podcast. Uh, this is Jacob Hunter, and you're listening to the fourth episode of our Summer Family Podcast series. As I'm sure you know by now, we have the privilege this summer of interviewing five great men who each were used mightily by God in a very important movement called the Protestant Reformation. So far, we've been honored to have William Tyndale, Martin Luther, and Thomas Cranmer on the show, and today we are incredibly blessed to be joined by the legendary Scottish reformer John Knox. Mr. Knox, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much. Truly an honor to be here. Mr. Knox, over the course of this series, we've been walking through five life-changing truths that capture the heart of the Reformation, often called the five solas. We've discussed three of the solas thus far, sola scriptura, scripture alone, sola fide, faith alone, and sola gratia, grace alone. And today, we're going to take a look at the fourth sola, solas Christus, or Christ alone. Before we discuss your life, I think it might be interesting to shake things up and first examine what we mean by this idea of Christ alone. Mr. Knox, who is this Christ? Why is he so important? What a great question to begin with. This Christ we refer to is the very Son of God, holy, divine, and existing eternally, perfectly one with the Father and the Spirit. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This Christ is the promised Messiah of the Old Testament, who took on human flesh, lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live, and died the death that you and I deserve in the cross, taking the full wrath of God for the sins of his people. And this Christ is the one who was physically resurrected from the grave, is currently seated at the right hand of the majesty on Hyde, and will one day come again. It is only through faith in this Christ that we can be saved. He himself said, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And furthermore, the whole of the Christian life is lived only by the power of this Christ. As the Apostle Paul said to the Galatian church, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus is the main point. As Paul says elsewhere, he must be in and everything preeminent. And so in my humble life, I never sought preeminence, glory, or riches. My honor was that Christ Jesus should reign. 
Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, with that in mind, Mr. Knox, let's take a look at your story. You were born in Scotland in the early 16th century, and then after your schooling, you were ordained as a priest. And pretty quickly, you got involved in the Reformation that was already happening in Scotland. Can you tell us what you did? Oh, yes. You must be referring to my time in the service of George Wishart. Great man. I was his bodyguard. His bodyguard. We don't usually think of reformers as bodyguards. <laughs> but, but to move on, the, the Catholic authorities were cracking down on the Protestant movement in Scotland. What happened? Oh, yes. Poor Wishart. He was executed as a martyr for his wife. I joined another group of reformers, but we were eventually captured. I was forced to work as a galley slave for 19 months. That is, I was made the rodeor of a very large ship. Ugh, that sounds horrible. It must have been so dark and cold and wet for almost two years, and, and the work would have been exhausting. Yes, I mean, it wasn't fun, but by God's grace, I was released, and I traveled to England, where I was blessed to be, be pastor and minister. Eventually, I was asked to serve the king, Edward VI, as a royal chaplain. Ah, Edward VI, King Edward VI. We learned about him last week in our interview with the Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer. Oh, yes, Archbishop Cranmer. I had some disagreements with him over a few aspects of his book of common prayer, but all in all, a decent fellow. Well, I imagine you ran into the same situation Cranmer did when the Catholic Queen Mary I came into power, huh? <sighs> that adulterous Jezebel! I left England for mainland Europe, and I ended up in Geneva. Switzerland. I was earnestly seeking for a godly church, and in Geneva, I con discovered what I consider to be the most perfect school of Christ on earth since the apostles. Ah, you must have met our guest for next week. Oh, pa Pastor Calvin? Oh yes, what a wonderful man. He was so helpful to me. Yes, John Calvin. Oh, we can't wait to have him join us for our final episode. You served alongside Calvin, yes? Yes. What a privilege it was. I was his worship leader, and I helped minister to English-speaking refugees in the city. That sounds so cool. I mean, it would have been so interesting to live and work in Geneva in Calvin's day. Well, yes, but I couldn't stop thinking about who. Oh, my beloved Scotland. I greatly desired to get back there and continue the work of Reformation there, but I also loved my ministry in Geneva. So what did you do? Well... I had visited Scotland once while, serving, while serving in Geneva, but I t headed towards home more permanently and with Calvin's blessing after some rumored drama involving the Scottish monarchy. About this same time, Queen Mary of I of England died, and uh, time seemed right for my return. Okay, and so you came back to Scotland, and the Scottish Reformation began to really pick up steam, and with you as its undeniable leader. Ah, uh, it was nothing. For some reason beyond me, it simply pleased God's merciful providence to make me, among others, a simple soldier and a witness bearer unto men. The Lord's working in and through you in Scotland at this time was extraordinary. Uh, for example, you were among the first five ministers to put together an official confession of faith for Scotland. Even in your disputes with Scottish monarchs, you repeatedly displayed an unwavering commitment to the truth of God's word, and the church benefited immensely. 
I can but attest that God gave his Holy Spirit to simple men in great abundance. But it is true, as touching the doctrine taught by our ministers and the administration of sacraments used in our churches, I am bold to affirm that there is no realment this day upon the earth that hath them in greater purity. The Lord was so kind to us. You know, Mr. Knox, uh, going back to what I said a moment ago, one striking detail of your life is the way you repeatedly, over and over and over, stayed steadfastly committed to the truth of Scripture. You couldn't care less about what anyone else thought about you. You simply desired to stand firm on biblical truth and to help others understand and apply biblical truth. How could you be so brave? Well, let me be clear. I am no superhuman. I quake, I fear, and I tremble. I simply relied on Christ. I held on to his word and to his promise in me in the gospel. Jesus said that he would be with me always, even to the end of the age. And so I took, simply took from what he said to be true. Even in the midst of the trials, losing my friends to martyrdom, becoming a slave, wandering in exile, I could find hope and peace in my Savior. Not that I mean that the faithful have at all hours such a sense of life everlasting, that they fear nor death or the troubles of this life. No, not so. For the faith of God's children is weak, yes, but in many things imperfect. But in Christ, we can truly find life and joy everlasting. If I may, I'd like to speak to those who might be listening to us. Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Friend, listen. Christ sustained me in my life for many difficulties in order to finally see the Reformation enacted in Scotland. And he can most assuredly sustain you through your trials today. Cling to Christ, dear Christian. Cling to him in him alone. Amen. Thank you for that encouragement, sir. And, and your simple faith paid off. You were able to see the Reformation truly unfold in Scotland. Mr. Knox, your legacy lives on today in the Presbyterian Church, which you founded, and in your influence on other important movements after you, like the Puritans, and, I might add, even in the American Revolution. Uh, like the rest of us, you weren't perfect, but the Lord used you mightily for his name's sake in Scotland and throughout Europe. Jesus was simply building his church. I was humbled that he should use me in a way. Mr. Knox, as, as I was preparing for this podcast episode... I happened upon a rather interesting fact. Your grave is actually under a parking lot in Scotland today. There's one small marker to show where you were approximately buried, but people actually park their cars over your gravesite. And, and while I'm somewhat distressed that the burial site of an amazing figure from church history like yourself is now a parking lot, I do think that in some ways your peculiar burial ground is appropriate. In your life, you never sought to make much of yourself. Instead, you repeatedly and unabashedly strove to make much of Jesus, to lift him high. It seems somewhat appropriate that you have such a humble grave. I'm reminded of the words of John the Baptist in regard to Christ. He must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. Jesus is what matters most. He alone is worth it. Amen. And that takes us back to where we started with that third sola, solas Christus. All of the Christian life is lived in Christ alone. 
The only way that sinners like you or I can be saved from the wrath of God we justly deserve is through faith in Christ. And then all of our lives as followers of Jesus is now defined by the very Christ who saved us. So much so that the Apostle Paul could say in his letter to the Colossians that Jesus is our life. And Mr. Knox, your fearless dedication to the reign of Jesus Christ in your native Scotland is a wonderful example to us of this vital truth. Oh, glory be to Christ. I really appreciate you for having me on this podcast today. We're so glad that you joined us, sir. That's the end of the fourth episode of our Summer Family Podcast series. Our scripture memory challenge this week is John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Friend, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus for salvation, I would urge you to repent and trust him today. You have no hope apart from Christ. Your sin deserves God's eternal wrath. And yet God has provided a way for you to be saved through the death and resurrection of his son. As John Knox urged us earlier, cling to Christ, even now. Well, everyone, we only have one episode left. Next week, we're going to be interviewing the illustrious French reformer, Pastor John Calvin. But until then, Semper Reformatus.